Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Javier Tavera. After moving from Mexico City to the United States, Javier Tavera learned what it felt like to be part of a subculture, the immigrant community. Subjected to alienation has transformed the focus of his photographs to share the lives of those who were marginalized. Images have offered insight into the diversity of numerous communities and given a voice to those who are often invisible. Tavera has shown his work extensively in the Twin Cities, nationally and internationally, including Germany, Scotland, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and China. His work is part of the collections of the Minneapolis Institute of Art, Plains Art Museum, Minnesota Museum of American Art, Minnesota History Center, Ramsey County Historical Society, and the Wiseman Art Museum. He is the recipient of the McKnight Fellowship, Jerome Travel Award, State Arts Board, and the Bronchia Scholarship. This was a conversation I'd long been looking forward to, and uh, it was absolutely worth the wait. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but Javier has a, a way of being able to um, provide insight into into things that we kind of assume that we already know, and is able to sort of expand our understanding and perceptions on on things, especially in historical terms. So I'm really excited for this conversation. All right, with that said, let's jump into this conversation with Javier Tavera. Well, Javier, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's really great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little about yourself, your background, uh, where you're from. Yes, absolutely. My name is Javier Tavera. I am originally from Mexico, specifically from Mexico City. And uh, I am a photographer, a filmmaker, and an educator. Not in, not exactly in those uh in in that sequence but uh, you know i wear different caps and and uh, i enjoy uh as much making stories gathering stories documenting stories as well as telling those stories and and uh, w- with that knowledge trying to teach to the students what i do and how can they be uh a good good citizens of the image making world. Can you uh, talk about uh, your, your biggest influences, uh, both uh, early on and currently uh, right now? So that's, that's, that's a super interesting question uh, because uh, I, I look at a fair amount of artists, photographers, film, filmmakers all the time, but I always, I, and I know what I like, right? When I'm seeing it, when I'm reading something, but I always go back to um, the people that I photograph. That is that, that is my biggest influence. When I'm in front of them, when I get to talk to them, when, when they are willing to share their intimate stories about life, and where are they now is, is, is quite amazing. I am also very influenced by history. And uh, 
the complicated narratives that history has that are not always very accurate, that are uh, complicated, and that most people just swallow it as the official history and trying to challenge those type of narratives that are usually not beneficial for uh, for for BIPOC folks and uh, and and most most of it I rely on stories whenever I go to a place I try to meet people and their personal stories influence me enormously I've I, I don't think I've ever met somebody that doesn't have something to say that has a, a story that is not remarkable. I truly believe that everybody, whomever I asked so far in uh, 40 years of, of, of doing this, um, people always come with, with such interesting stories of their lives that sometimes they don't, don't acknowledge that their life could be something that we should learn from and that 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 pushes me a lot that moves me and is a great influence that uh, now i seek for those stories it's something crazy that happens when i'm outside in, in the street or wherever with a camera that people open up and are willing to share very intimate stories about their lives. And uh, I'm certainly moved by them and uh, and reflect on my own life and, and try to share those stories with whomever wants to hear them. Hmm. Uh, would, would you be um, willing to share uh, uh, such a story, such an example, um, something that affected you at some point? Yes, absolutely, and I'll give you the most recent one uh, about about three weeks ago. Uh, I was I, I have I have gone to the border, U.S. Mexico many many times, and I frequently go there to do more research, to uh, document more people, places. And this time I met in a gas station near Yamaka in California, uh, 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 like a th third of a mile from the border. I met uh, a, a trucker, a Mexican trucker from Ensenada that had lived in San Diego for um, 40, 50 years. And as I we were as I was uh, pouring my gasoline, he he went by and we waved to each other for whatever reason. And inside the gas station, uh, we we started to talk. And uh, an older guy, uh, very fluent in English and Spanish, with with an enormous lexicon in slang in mexican slang uh, a, a pretty wise guy and 
we talked we talked about everything he told me the story about when he was young and he wanted to be a rock and roller and what were his influence in 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 rock and espanol uh, and uh the conversations that he had with people uh all, all the adventures that he had while riding his his, his semi truck and there was something very interesting that happened uh, he he mentioned that he also also taught to younger aspiring truck drivers and um and he said you you have to you have to love this and uh, the first question that he posted to the group was uh, is anybody jealous here does anybody have have these strong emotions of jealousy uh, and everybody was looking at each other like where is he going this is supposed to be a technical like driving uh, it's like well, I mean, if you're if you're very jealous, um, you have to pick another career because you're going to be on the road for so long, and this jealousy is going to eat you up and is not going to let you leave, and you're going to be anguish uh, for so long until you get back home. But if you trust, and if you trust yourself, and if you trust your partner. And if you trust your kids, then this might be a career for you. And I never thought that, that uh, I mean, a deep philosophy on life can be shared by, by this fellow. And at the end, we, we spent there in the, in the gas station for probably about close to hour and a half to two hours. And at the end, he... Well, he, he mentioned that he, he sang and he ended up singing for me. And I grabbed my, 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 my film camera and started recording him. And he gifted me two songs. And then he was done. He said, thank you. And he waved and he left for his truck. Um, and and I'm extremely privileged uh, to to have uh, right being part of that and and have heard him speak out of his heart what he does. A uh, seventy four year old guy with uh, an enormous amount of experience, uh, and I think I can learn from him. And that's the beauty of, of just running, uh, meeting people, and and yeah, I'm 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 stumbling, but uh, I mean, I was I was really moved, I was really moved, and uh, I'm gonna make a small video. He gave me his information. I'm gonna give him uh, some photos and his uh, and the video that I edited, and let's see what happens from there. Well, that's, that's so fascinating. Um, you know, one of the things I had realized, um, so I had seen your work um, previous to when I started uh, at the Plains Art Museum. And then we had um, an exhibition um, back in 2019. It wasn't, it wasn't an exhibition that I was a part of, um, 
but it was it was a, a group exhibition. And when the installation happened, uh, it was your work paired with video work. Um, and it was fascinating to see uh, the video aspect of the images that you had captured that were printed uh, up on the wall there. Can you talk a little bit about the, the dynamics of having um, photography paired with video work and how those play together? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've been enamored with photography and the still image for for pretty much all my life, since I can remember. And uh, moving image is a completely different thing. It is at least 24 pictures in a second. But then you add movement and you add sound and uh, it becomes more complex and it becomes another way of telling stories. Uh, sometimes uh, I have the opportunity to do that pair up when there's still images and, and film. And really uh, I consider them two different things. The, the still image you can approach and you can get very close and see every single detail of the image and analyze how the sitter is presenting themselves to the camera. And with the moving image is different. You have to step away and you have to let it run. And uh, uh, the, the images will tell you, will tell you that story. Uh, it is also so different that sometimes I have to make decisions to either do still photography only or uh, moving image. And I have somehow, I have to switch something in my brain to say, okay, now we're going to moving image and everything is going to happen in front of it and I have to be patient and I have to be careful and I have to be framing all the time. And, uh, is, is, is a completely different animal, but, but it's, it's some, it's a language that I'm still, that I'm still trying to explore. And, uh, uh, I mean, very exciting to, to, to take part. And some people have said, well, you really film film like a photographer because I flop the camera in front of the subject and let it run. I don't do any fancy camera movement or put it in a dolly or or in a rig so I can right is is essentially it. And I let the action be in front of the camera. Uh, with still photography, it's a tiny little bit more controlled and. I will select a specific time to to push the the shutter uh, to take that that image. It's it's interesting how you describe that because you know with the video uh, you allow um, your subjects to sort of work within that space, almost like a theater production or a film from like the 60s and 70s where people, you know, it was reflective of, of stage. Um, whereas a photographer, uh, you're, you're sort of using um, sort of a modern approach to film where there's editing and there, you, the, the framing of the shot is so, so important. Um, 
more so than the, the staging in a sense uh, of, of modern film. I think that's really fascinating. It is very cool. And I really try, I, I make an effort so the subjects have agency, right? Uh, photography and filmmaking is, uh, is very intrusive. And uh, it's also sort of violent, right? We're putting a camera in front of people's faces. Uh, so I try to make them feel comfortable and, and so they can feel that they have some agency in how do they want to be presented, how do they want to be presented to the camera and how do they want to be represented. So the direction is minimum and I let them be so, so they, they are part of the portrait, they are part of the, the piece and, uh, and it's quite incredible. I mean, talking about the language in filmmaking and photography, it's about capturing, it's about shooting, it's about taking. So it has this inherent violence in it that I'm trying to, uh, you know, move away from and try to find another language uh, to refer to, we're gonna make an image as opposed to take, uh, I don't know, it might be just me, but but uh, photography and filmmaking has a very dark past mm. throughout history. It's it's about it's about colonialism and it's about uh, so many things that uh, that that photography has uh, photography has been used for that I'm completely against. So. Got to be very careful. Um, agency and consent are one of the main uh, characters in, in, in what I do. Uh, people have to be willing to give me something and I will give back. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, it's fascinating. Uh, fascinating. Uh, can you talk about how you've developed your career, uh, both in college and post-college? That uh, so I'm going to make a distinction between college and then my own creative uh, career. Uh, through my education has been very bumpy, has been uh, pulling me to different places, and uh, uh, it's been scattered. And then I tried to gather it throughout time and. Uh, so let me start with with the academic aspect of the of the question. Um, I started uh, studying law in Mexico City, and I did three years uh, before I, I immigrated to the United States. In '96, I was able to um, well. My intention was not to migrate to the United States. I was coming for only two months. A company in Texas asked me to do some industrial photography. And so I I dropped out of, of law school. I thought I was going to do this for two months and I will go back to continue my studies. Uh, at the end of, of the work that I did in Texas, the company asked me to move with them to Minnesota because they were going to put the headquarters of that company here. 
and they promised that they were going to give me uh, arrange my papers, give me a salary, and I could, uh, and they will pay for my school. And I thought it was a great deal. So I moved here in September of 96. By 97, I was already enrolled at the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. And uh, little did I know that the, the company that brought me went bankruptcy. So uh, everybody fled and I was stranded here. And I, I was able to keep it going uh, all 97 and 98. By the middle of 98, my debt as an international student was so high that I had to drop the school again. So I'm a proud two-time dropout. <laughs> and I tell my students, I mean, we have to change the narrative of, of a linear or, or what is expected of us. So, I mean, I'm not shy about saying, yes, I dropped out of school two, two times. Ten years after, I went back to school because a couple of institutions, educational institutions in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, were asking me to, to teach Osberg University and uh, Metro State. Um, I told them, I told Metro State that I didn't have the credentials to teach and... Uh, uh, and I, I did the same with Osberg and uh, uh, an amazing instruct, photo instructor there. Uh, Susan Beecher told me like, hey, come here for six months, teach, let's see what happens. And I can only give you, right, one semester. So I did that under her guidance and, and I really, really liked it. I really like uh, the opportunity to teach what I'm so passionate about, art and and, and photography and, and filmmaking. And, and I thought, I, I think I have to go back to school and finish this so I can do this full time instead of a factory job that I was holding at the time. So I went back to finish my 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 bfa at the minneapolis college of art and design with the help of a scholarship and immediately i went uh, i applied to the university of minnesota to do my masters and as soon as i finished i began to teach i have taught six years i taught six, six years at, at the university of minnesota as an adjunct uh, of course, also at Augsburg and Metro State and other colleges. And uh, now I'm super fortunate to be employed at Carlton College. And uh, I'm, 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 I, I, I think I, I, I want to remark how privileged that is. Uh, because in me acknowledging that that's an enormous privilege because me being there, that means that thousands of other educators are not there. And I'm talking, of course, uh, educators of color. Uh, so so I, I feel that responsibility and uh, and and that's what I, I want to share. 
me I, I mean i didn't went up and make it and no it's 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 also about putting my uh, right in regards to the uh, minnesota artistic community all right where am i placed and and because me being there uh preventing other people to have to have the same opportunity right uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated thing. Uh, academia is a is a complex thing that that I'm grappling all the time with. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I can share what I know with with students, but yeah. So that's one part. The other part is uh, the career as a photographer, and I have had that since I remember. I took it more seriously when I was 16 years old. And back then, I didn't know that I could use this as a means of communicating. I thought I went into photography because it was a magical thing. And I think I still think it's a magical thing. And I thought I could do a business out of it. And uh, it ended up being a complete failed business because I was photographing theater and dance troops when I was in Mexico. 16, 17 year old, 18, 19 year old. And uh, I was photographing with film back then. Uh, digital was something that uh, didn't exist at the time. And I will photograph, I will buy my roles, uh, photograph rehearsals and performances and you name it. And then I will spend hours uh, enlarging those images in 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 the back of of my parents house and i will go to i will go to the to the theater director or dance director very proud with my photos a stack of photos right that i took it's like hey here take a look they're for sale and they will look at them and uh, they will say so how much are these well they're like three bucks each like okay so they will pick one or two and they will give me back my big stack of 20 30 photos and i'm like this is not working this is not working at all something is is wrong with my business model here and i will end up gifting them the photos because uh, i thought uh, they will be more helpful for them than for me and uh when I emigrated to the United States, I I was in a position to realize who I was as an immigrant here, and uh, I immediately turned my camera to to the Latino community, and uh, I have kept it so far. After twenty six years of being here, I have uh, I'm still photographing the Latino community. Uh, trying to make a fair enough uh, representation of who we are in, in, in this country. And it sort of brings us to the second uh, question um, on how do opportunities present themselves to you? Um, I know uh, annually, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but annually you go down to Mexico and you you sort of um, have this this annual trip that you take. Um, am I correct on this? Um, if you yep. could expand on that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I, my my family and, and my wife's family are there, and uh, I uh, at least once we tried to go there and visit and uh, kind of like refresh, uh, touch home, and, and then. Uh, absorb everything that uh, that we can culturally identity wise family wise and then come back reinvigorated to to continue uh but but as an opportunities is is also is also very tricky but because for the longest time I, I was waiting for those opportunities I was I'm not sure if waiting to be discovered or waiting if somebody I could be relevant for, for some curator or some collector or something like that. And soon I learned like, hmm, I don't think this is the way it works. I think we have to go out there and start carving our own space and and start to build our own opportunities uh, I mean that that doesn't mean that that I have made it all of my own there's an an enormous platform an enormous amount of people that that had to help uh, with different opportunities we live in a state that is an, uh, amazing for for help and uh for help for artists and and I certainly have have tapped on on that uh but I truly believe that 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 um we have to carve our own opportunities and and try to make something out of it and don't wait because we can spend a whole life waiting and, and nobody will pay attention we think we have something to say and uh, I, I think it's time uh, for for people to listen and uh, and uh, and to pay attention to what we're doing. So I think it's is very important for us to to keep on moving around so we can carve those opportunities. And and when we have an opportunity, right? Don't just take it and go. I, I think also to share it with people. I every time that I do an exhibition, I try to bring uh, older and younger folks into the mix, so we all learn from each other and we all have an opportunity uh, to 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 exhibit and to show and to converse about what we're doing. I think it's for the mo- it's of the most importance, and that same uh, structure I did in at the Plains Art Museum where people who have never been in a museum uh, have the opportunity to do so. And people who have uh, long careers and have exhibited numerous times in institutions uh, are sharing the same space with younger folks. Um, So it's kind of like a two-part thing, seeking those opportunities, but also once we have the opportunity, try to bring people so they can also have 
the opportunity to to work with us. Hmm. And what would you say to the 18 to 22 year old listening to this conversation? That's that's super interesting because I mean, you know, I'm getting older and uh, maybe because of that also I can share some experiences and I'm not sure if the younger folks share uh, right my own interest but for sure for sure I will tell them to be courageous right to be daring uh to 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 one of the most important things also to follow their own voice not to emulate but to follow their own voice we all have a a voice that that, that, that is uh, relevant and strong, but sometimes right we go to other places because that can be more trendy or that can be accepted better in a way. Uh, I will ask them to be critical of their own work. And that is very important. I mean, I'm, I am super critical about my own work. Uh, there's nobody more critical than I am. And uh, I try to live with my mistakes, but also to push me to do something better. When I'm framing, uh, if I'm emulating myself, I, I try to do something different so so I don't repeat myself. And, uh, and, and also to tell them that nobody owes them anything. Nobody owes us anything. And uh, we have to, we have to contribute. And we have to share, and that that those stories that uh, that are out there of themselves, of their families, of their elders, of the youngsters are important, and that's something that uh, we should hear, and and we should revere and and. Uh, and let the world know that those stories are important. So what do you have going on right now? Um, I am a very anxious person when it comes to creative uh, endeavor. And I always have several things going on at a time. And if one falls down, I have two, three, four others that I can keep pursuing. Right now, I'm very excited about... um, uh, I just concluded a trip again to the border where this time I am looking for uh, a couple of things. One of them was, of course, photographing, again, landscape and people in the borderlands. Uh, but I've been, I've been photographing trees uh, in California, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas. And these are hang, hanging trees, hangman's trees. Um, I'm looking for them and documenting them. Um, there were more Mexican and indigenous people hanged in this country than anybody else. And this is part of the story that is not told that is obscure. Um, 
and and I'm looking for those trees and photographing them. to to portray these beautiful trees that were used as uh, a colonizing artifact, a colonizing space. Um, I am also photographing uh, saints that are not uh, acknowledged by the church. And there, these are border saints. I have photographed Juan Soldado in Tijuana. I have photographed uh, Pedrito Jaramillo in Texas. And this time I went to the grave of Teresa de Cabora that is in Arizona. And uh, she was a healer and was born in Mexico and uh, emigrated to the United States in the 1800s. And in the early 1900s, she was healing people. I went to her her grave. And I also went in New Mexico to a place, a small, tiny place. It's called El Tiradito. And that is uh, a space devoted to, uh, so people can go and ask for, for different things. I'm very interested in, 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 in the devotion that people have. I am particularly not religious. I, um, I was born Catholic, but I have never uh, followed the, the religion, but I'm interested in what people believe in and how do they cope with different problems and how do they are grateful. So those are a couple of the things that I'm currently working on. Where can the listener uh, find your work? Um, I have uh, I have an outdated um, website, javiertavera.com, and they can see some of the work that I do there. I promise this year that I will uh, like restructure it and put uh, more projects there, and. Uh, just uh, if you google my name there's an enormous uh, there's a fair amount of of uh, of information there from exhibitions and work and and collections and stuff like that that, that people can see that's great we'll uh, we'll put links in the show notes um so our listeners can uh uh yeah connect to those that's great this was fantastic thank you so much for your time this i really appreciated uh, this conversation Thank you so much, Joe. It's, 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 it's an honor to talk talking to you and and that you give me this opportunity to share my my thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Javier again for his time and sharing his story with us. There, there's two words that come to mind when I, I think of um, Javier and his work. Uh, the first is prolific. His, his images are, are singular in, in the way they depict individuals, almost characters, right? It, it turns the subject into um, 
to something different. And, and it's a way he's able to capture them in a single image, in a still image, but then be able to expand that perception through video. And the, the experience of looking at his work, especially seeing a still photograph and then the video sort of side by side, um, it, it has a way of, of changing the way a character or a, uh, a subject looks. I say character because um, uh, I, I'm involved in storytelling and, and that's oftentimes what I sort of feel when I look at his subject matters. Uh, but the other, the other word that comes to mind when I think of Javier is humble. Um, he, he's grounded and I mean, you can just tell from this conversation, um, he comes from a very thoughtful place and, um, you know, he just sort of exudes this humbleness and this wisdom, um, that I, I just fully enjoy, uh, being around. And so this was a conversation that I've long looked forward to and being able to share with you. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I certainly looked forward to this conversation and I'm glad that uh, we were able to do this. So Javier, thank you so much for this. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on our Facebook page and our Instagram page, which is Five Plane Questions Podcast, or at the planesart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. So if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please look me up on Facebook, uh, look me up at the webpage. My email is jwilliams at planesart.org. Um, yeah, I'd like to hear from you. Let me know what you're thinking. All right, you take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.